Hello, and welcome to the podcast of the Central Church of God, located at 5120 Central Avenue, Portage, Indiana. Here, you can listen to Sunday service by Pastor Robert Sluter. If you have questions, prayer requests, or want more information about our church, please feel free to contact Pastor Robert at 219-963-8496. built on you. You are the firm foundation. You are the rock of ages. Lord, you are the King of kings and the Lord of glory. We worship you. You won't stop taking care of us. Nothing can separate us from your love. Not anything. Nothing separates us from your love, Lord. And we thank you We thank you, Jesus, that your presence is here right now, that the river of life, the Holy Spirit is here, moving on hearts, because make that declaration, he won't fail me. Say it after me. He won't fail me. Say it again. He won't fail me. If you're watching from home, say it with us. He won't fail me. He won't fail me. We thank you for that, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise. We are here to worship Jesus. We love you. We adore you, Lord. And you won't fail us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Bethany. Thank you, praise team. Let me get a little situated here. Well, I'm excited to be here and thankful for the opportunity. Our pastor's in Scotland. He's already preached today. So that's a neat thing. And he's helping remodel a, um, well, I'll just put it on the floor. He's helping remodel a, um, a church, a Church of God church, with a team from Indianapolis. Is it Indianapolis, Sister Brandy? Greencastle. So he's working for the Lord, and we just bless him now. And I just want to say a prayer. I did pray for the message, but we have some people out who are sick. So I want to lift them up. We have Linda who had a, a procedure. We have Denise who had a procedure. It was, it was a surgery, actually. We, had, we have Kim in the hospital. We have and Doris who's been sick, and um, Sister Martin who is now out of the hospital, praise God, but we still need to keep her lifted up. So Father, we just lift up all those people, and if there's anyone that I missed, Lord, we touch their hearts, heal their bodies. We send forth the word of God into their lives, Lord, for healing and strength, Lord. We ask that you would infuse your grace within them, and Father, that you would bring healing to every part of their body, in Jesus' mighty name, amen? Amen. Amen. So... Praise the Lord. Well, I must have been practicing at home because I was on page three. That was a fast message, right? Praise God. Are you growing in grace? That's my question. 
And that's what we're going to look at today. So you can turn to 2 Peter 3.17. It's up on the um, screen. I liked it in the um, New Living Translation. The thing that I have learned about God's grace through the years, having, you know, you all know, I got artificial joints all over, um, is that God's grace is sufficient. And it's tangible. You can sense when you need grace and you ask him for more grace, Lord, you can sense his presence and his strengthening. So we're going to look at, are we growing? First of all, what is it? What are its attributes? And are we growing in it? And then are we giving it? So in this scripture, in 2 Peter 3.17, in the New Living Translation, it says, Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So not taking this out of context, he's talking in, the, in 2 Peter um, about wicked and false teachers who are trying to persuade people away from Jesus. I'm putting it in my own words. With cunning words that deceive. And so we need to be careful. But he ends this book with this exhortation to be good if I was in the right, the right book. Um, to grow. You must grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Well, that's a lot to impact, so we're just going to look at grace today. Maybe Wednesday we'll look at grace and knowledge. But today we're looking at grace because I believe that God's presence, well, let's just go with the word, forget what I believe. So how do we grow in it? First, let's look at what grace is. It's up on the, on the tile, and it's it's a lot if you impact it in the Greek, in Hebrew. Because the New Testament is, was written in Greek, the Old Testament in Hebrew. So Strong's Concordance tells us what grace in this, in this particular passage means in most of the passages in the New Testament. It means graciousness, a manner or act. Literally or figuratively or spiritually, the divine, think about this, the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life. So that's why I said, do you give grace? It's divine influence upon our hearts. Think about that for a minute. God's divine influence upon our hearts. Only God can search your heart. You can't even search your own heart. The Bible says our hearts are wicked and deceive us. So you can deceive yourself if you try to search your own heart. But when you ask the Spirit of God to search you, that divine influence gets in there and it, you know, it, it doesn't look like that, but that's my acting abilities. And it searches all the recesses in my heart because, you know, things get in our way. Pride gets in our way. We get a little puffed up, you know. But God's divine influence, that's what grace is, his divine influence upon our heart and its reflection in life, including, if, I don't know if you can see that because it's kind of tiny to get it all in there, is gratitude, acceptable, favor, benefit, gifts, joy. Did we not talk about joy earlier and sing about it? Maybe that's why Nehemiah said the joy of the Lord is their strength. 
Because in the Old Testament, God uses, he describes himself as a gracious God. I'll be gracious to who I want to be gracious is what he says in Exodus 33. He's telling Moses, I have graciousness for who I want. So God is gracious. And then he took him to the mountain and revealed himself to him. And he said, which I think it's important to know, Moses wanted to see, the, how many here want to see the glory of the Lord? Me too. But here's what the Lord did. When he passed by, he couldn't see his face. But what did he do? He declared his name. The glory of the Lord is in the name of the Lord. And the Lord said, and, uh, you, it's not up there. You won't find it. It's in Exodus 34, starting at... Um, and the Lord, verse 6, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity, and it goes on. But he declared who he was. That was his glory is in his name. And we sang, will he ever let you go? No way. No way. There's a scripture that says for those who've maybe never read it, nothing can separate you from God's love. Now, there's things that can separate you from fellowship because, you know, when we sin, our own guilt stops us from running to the Lord. But God doesn't want you there. He doesn't want you staying in guilt. He wants you to come with a contrite heart to receive forgiveness for sin, not stay back, Lord, I can't, I, I can't go to God, I did this, maybe I cussed or I lied or I stole or I cheated or whatever. God still wants you to come to him. Just come to him. Not me. Go to God. So that's part of grace. So in 1 John 1.14, Jesus came full of grace. And I love this because it was grace for grace. Think about that. Chew on it for a minute. Grace for grace. Starting in verse 14, it says, And the word, which is Jesus, he was in the beginning, the beginning in the very beginning of chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, and nothing was made that and nothing was made that was made without him. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The reflection. His grace reflects off of us. Light comes off of us when you are a child of God. Sometimes we dim our own light a little bit because we're not walking in grace and faith. We're walking in fear and nervousness or anxiousness or, or whatever. You know, let, let the Lord just work on your heart. But in verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. He's the living word of God. And we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came full of grace and truth. John 16, 17, chapter 1. And of his fullness, we have all received and grace 
for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So grace for grace, the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection. Reflection means it's an amount of light, heat, or sound that reflects off a body or a surface. So think about that. You're spending time with the Lord. You're in your prayer closet. I don't go in a closet. It might be a spider. I'm not going in there. <laughs> I have a prayer chair in our spare bedroom. But I shut the door because my dog would be all over me. You know, he's a little tiny dog. He likes to be on my lap. And it's hard to pray when your dog's trying to scoot you over so he can have space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sure you all can relate. But grace for grace. He came full of grace so that we could have grace. That's powerful. So and of his fullness, of his fullness, we have received. Think about that. Of his fullness, we have received. Grace for grace. So when you're going to pray for somebody, you don't need your own strength. You need the Lord to pray through you. I always ask the Holy Spirit, pray through me. I don't know what you need. He knows what you need. Amen? You could come up there and say, my toe hurts and it's something else. And the Lord would quicken what it really is. And the Lord goes right to the heart. Because your heart matters to God. He died. He sent his one and only begotten son so each one of us could have a relationship with him and spend eternal life in heaven and here now. See, eternal life isn't just, oh, in the by and by. It's now. Jesus is moving now. The spirit of God is here moving on hearts right now in this place. Open your heart for him to move. So grace is graciousness, favor, joy. I love that, joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So when you need more strength, you have to ask for more grace. Amen? So we're digging into the attributes of God. I'll get moving. How we can grow in grace and giving grace to others. I think that's pretty cool that we can give grace. It's hard for me to just stay up here. Sister Brandy was right. Probably should have been right there. To give grace. I'm jumping ahead. Giving grace is kind of like being nice, <laughs> but better. Have you ever, well, let me, I'll stop. I'm jumping all over here. Giving grace is giving the Lord to somebody. Not in just words, but in action. Not just saying, well, Jesus loves you. How about if they need help, go help them. That's giving grace. If someone says, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to talk right now, just sit with me, sit with them. That's grace. Somebody's hurting, don't lecture them about why they're hurting. Don't try to fix it. Just come alongside them. Now, when I'm upset, my husband's a hugger. But when I'm upset, I don't want to hug. <laughs> and I tell him, don't hug me. I don't want it yet because I got to work through. And he respects that because he knows my, I'm that type A personality. He's, he's more mellow. <laughs> but he gives me grace. So I'm just helping some, some husbands and wives here. You got to embrace your differences. If you don't embrace your differences, you'll have a rocky road. Can I hear amen from some of these married people? Embrace your differences. God made you different for a reason, not to annoy you, but to 
come alongside you. There's a, there's a little freebie. So let's look at saving grace in Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace, now I named these saving grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. You can't earn grace. You don't deserve grace. I don't deserve grace. But God gave it freely when he sent his one and only begotten son to walk the earth for three years. He went through a lot of stuff in three years. It wasn't all written down. And then he was tortured because he loved us. And the joy set before him, he endured the cross, it says in Hebrews, because he loves you. This is the unmerited grace. We don't deserve it. And it's salvation. And it's the only way to heaven. There's not five different ways, a hundred different ways. There's one way, one truth, and that's Jesus Christ, who is the only begotten Son of God, who's our Lord. And when you become a child of God, because the Bible tells us in um, Romans, we have to believe in our heart and confess it with our mouth to be saved. So you can't just secretly believe in Jesus, you know? That don't work that way. You got to speak it. That doesn't mean you got to be obnoxious, because I was when I first got saved many, many years ago. You know, I just wanted everybody saved. But I wasn't seasoned with grace. I was obnoxious. <laughs> I'll just say it like it is. You're all like, I don't think so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was. That's the beginning point. That's not where it stops. There's so much more. The Lord walks with you, just like we sang. He goes through the rivers with you. His grace goes with you, in, and he is grace, so he's in the river with you. Like he was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was in the fire. God's in the fire with you if you're in fire right now. If you're having persecution, trials, money issues, family issues, whatever kind of health issues, God's in it with you. We can't always answer why it takes so long as it does, but we can stand on the word of God that he is faithful and he goes with us. And the Bible says in Isaiah, he goes to the other side. You're going right through with him. You're not, he, God's not going to drop you off in the middle of the hall here. He's going with you. Amen? So you'd come out not even smelling like smoke. That would be a, that. That's pretty good. That's a promise. And I love in Isaiah, it's not in my notes or on the tiles. In Isaiah, it says, I know your name. God calls you and summons you by your name. He says, and he says it right too. He says, Annette. Because a lot of people call me Annette. Annette, he knows my name. He calls me by my name because I'm his child. And he lets me know when I mess up. Roger, don't have to tell me. God tells me right away. My gift gets me in trouble. So saving grace. If you have never asked, I'm, I'm going to say it right now, if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, if you're watching online, today's the day of salvation for you. Because if you're in this room, today's the day, because that's where it starts. I was a drug addict. I was nasty and mean. I had anger issues. And I was smoking dope all the time. 
If I wasn't smoking it, I was looking for it. And if I was looking for it to help my friends get it so I could get it. And God set me free. Mm -hmm. Took me through it, set me free. No one laid hands on me. I just knew because I was a Christian that walked away from the lifestyle. I was telling people, I, I'm, I love Jesus. And I, one day at a, at a party, I don't even know why I'm going here. Here I thought people knew me because I was a Christian. Holy Spirit, this friend goes, yeah, we're potheads, Annette. I said, I'm not a pothead. I was denying it as I'm smoking marijuana. He goes, yeah, we are. I'm like, no, I'm not. Holy Spirit, yes, you are. That's how they know you. My heart was crushed. And I went home, and like the next day, I was just crushed. I said, Lord, I don't want to be known as a pothead. I'm a, I, wanna, I, I don't want to be like this. And I tried to quit. I'd throw it out, flush it down the toilet. I smoked then, too. And then I'd dig it out of the trash. It got to the point where my friends would tell me, okay, if you're going to throw it away, will you give it to us? No. <laughs> Throwing it away. But God set me free. All I did was say, Jesus, I, I'm sorry. I, I want to be free, and I can't. I tried on my own. I can't, Lord. Make do whatever it takes. And the presence of God showed up in my living room and set me free from cigarettes and marijuana and any other drugs I did and took away that constant anger. Anger's not sin. It's sin when you use it to hurt someone. You know, the Bible says be angry and sin not. So if you're in those shoes today, God wants to set you free. Amen. So that's saving grace. Because I, I really believe that day, excuse me, I'm a little cold, which I thought I'd be sweating up here. Um, that day is when I let Jesus be Lord of my life. The first time around, it was like I confessed Jesus as my Savior. It was kind of like the thing you did. But that day, I made a decision never to go back he's lord so if he says no it's no and that made him gave him the right to be lord of my life if you've never let him be lord and you're just playing the christian thing you're not walking in victory he's got to be lord of your life today make him let him be lord he already is lord you know, every knee's going to bow, every tongue's going to confess Jesus is Lord because he's the Lord of Lords. But let him be Lord of your life. Man, there's freedom in that and there's joy. There's such freedom and joy in the Lord. Even when I have pain, I still have his joy because of his grace. For those that don't know, I have an artificial ankle, knee, I've had hips and shoulders. So, you know, I'm like, a metal detector just walking around. Um, but God gives me the grace to stand here right now. So let's go on. Enabling grace. Ooh, time's flying. I named it enabling grace. You can turn to 2 Corinthians 9.8. Enable means, now I'm not talking about enabling like an enabler in codependency. I'm talking about the 
grace of God infusing in you and making able the ability and providing for your needs. That's enabling grace. He enables with his power and presence so that you can do whatever you need to do. If you're a mom, you got, say you got one child to five children. You need grace. Come on, moms. As a mom, well, I still am a mom. She's just 42, so, you know, she got her own stuff. She needs, she's got her own kids. I got one in college, too. She's, she's a grandchild, so. I pr- we pray for grace for our daughters. Amen? Because your kids need, need, to, need the grace of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Now, some are familiar with... Oh, I just licked my finger. Um, some are familiar with this. Some are not. Am I in the right book? No. I think it's 1 Corinthians, isn't it? It says second, but I'm lost. Nine, eight. Yes. Here he's talking about giving, like Pastor Ryan talked about giving, to keep it in context. It's important to keep the word of God in context. But then the, the um, apostle Paul goes on to say in verse eight, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Now, in reference, he's talking about money, but it's also giftings. It'd be like Bethany coming up here. She she sings beautifully and has a piano, but she has other giftings up here with her, which make the team. So the grace of God is working through each one of them as they're faithful. Hope it's okay to use you guys, but as, you're, as you worship unto the Lord, we get to go in with you. That's a blessing. Amen. Amen? But God enables that, and he provides for it. Because abound means to be plentiful. So if you want to abound in something, ask the Lord for the grace. He helps you study, too, if you're in school. Trust me. <laughs> I did a lot of schoolwork, and uh, it, I would depend on the grace of God. I'd just say, okay, Holy Spirit, help me, help me to do this, because there's a lot of writing, getting the doctor, a lot of writing. And then went from that to surgery, Roger's open-heart surgery, and then MIP, which was a lot of studying. But the grace of God brought me through because I leaned on him and I depended on it and I asked for it. So if you're feeling weak, ask the Lord for grace because that's his strength. Amen? So that's enabling grace to be able to do what you need to do in all things sufficiency. So when you're feeling like, I just don't got enough. I'm not going to make this. Turn it around and say, Lord, I need your grace. You're my all-sufficient one. 
I need sufficiency in this area. Maybe it's teaching school. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what you all do, so I can't use your examples. <laughs> I saw Elizabeth. <laughs> she's, she's in school, you know, taking care of the kids. You need grace. Amen? Because with all little people come little bigger problems. Because all little people have parents. Amen? Who also have problems. And that's what the grace of God is good for. It's above and beyond what you can even imagine or think. Because you can have grace to talk to someone. And it could be somebody who's upset with you. And talking to them graciously brings forth the grace they may need. Amen? So then there's sustaining grace. Sustaining means to maintain or keep in existence, to keep supplied with necessities, to support or carry the weight of. I like that part of it. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you can just turn a page, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. How many here know what a thorn in the flesh is? It's an irritant. That's what I'm going to call it today. Some say it was an eye disease. Some, pay, some, some say it was the people who were going around. Everywhere Paul went, somebody would, you know, persecute him, say things about him while he's trying to preach the word. We don't know 100% what the thorn was. But you can imagine. Have you ever been irritated? Anyone? Yeah. All of us? <laughs> what did Jesus say to him? He pleaded three times. Sounds familiar? Jesus pleaded three times in the garden. He laid down his will. Three, not my will, Father, but yours. Three times. So he understands what irritants are. And he says to him, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Say that. His strength is made perfect in weakness. His strength is made perfect in weakness. Say, his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. It's everything you need, and it sustains you. So you don't need yourself, you need him and his grace, amen? And then there's the favorite one, the humbling grace. I named it humbling grace. Doesn't say humbling grace in the Bible. But as we humble ourselves, we receive grace. Grace to do whatever you got to do. For some of you, it's going to a job that you really don't like, but you go because you need money to eat and pay your bills. Amen? So you need the grace of God so that the reflection of your life is the Lord and not you. Some of you need grace to go to school. Some of you need grace for health issues that you're dealing with and been dealing with for many years. You need that enduring presence of God to help you. If we could just wipe all disease out, everything wouldn't be better. It would just momentarily be better. 
It would be great to be able to just wipe it all out instantaneously. But sometimes when we go through something, it builds character instead of it's gone. You know, I'm trying to think of a good example. I remember, I don't know if I ever told this, I remember when I first got saved, I was under the impression from some false teaching that you just confess the word and you're healed. So it was all about you, your faith, and your mouth. Nothing else. So I confessed over my body I wasn't going to have artificial hips. I've had two sets on each side. It tells you how old I am. <laughs> so I'm in my 20s when I have my first hip surgery, but I went in there believing I was healed, thinking, not because God quickened me with, you're healed, but because I was given a formula. God's not a formula. I learned more going through those situations, and it brought character out of me, because I learned he was still faithful, and he loved me. Even though I confess it, I have an old Bible that has all the confessions in it. We need to speak the word, but make sure you're speaking from faith in your heart and not just verbalizing a scripture. Because if you just verbalize a scripture, there's power in the word of God, but there's no power in it when you're saying it because you don't believe it. I was doing a formula. I call it the name it, claim it, you know, back in the 80s. I think it was the eight, early 80s. You just, you know, whatever you wanted, you just speak it. That's malarkey. <laughs> if you want something, work hard. Amen? Boy, I'm just rabbit trailing over here. Humbling grace. So God had to humble me to let me know, I'll just go back to that, <laughs> that he was, he was my provider. So as we did the solitude and silence, um, I read through and uh, I was thankful that this scripture was in there, even though, you know, we forget sometimes. First Peter 5, 5, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Peter's talking to the church. He's not talking to anybody. He's not talking outside the church. He's talking to the body of Christ. So that means there are times where we have to humble ourselves. How many like to be wrong? Not a hand when Roger puts his hand up. Thank you, honey. <laughs> he likes to be wrong. We have the joke of Monk. I'm a, I might be wrong, but I'm probably right. You know, did you ever watch Monk? No. We all can be wrong. And it, it is time to let the Spirit of God search our hearts. Because who can ascend the hill, it says in the Old Testament? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. I don't know about you, but I want to go up the mountain of the Lord. I don't want to fight from down here in the flesh. I want to be up there in the presence of God 
I mean, visually, I'm, I'm speaking, not literally. Um, and fighting from my position in Christ, not Annette. I mean, I'm five, four foot 11 and three fourths. That matters. I can't go up against anything unless God goes with me. And then, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. You're not fighting me. You're fighting the Lord. Because he's powerful. And the neat thing is, is there's more of them, I mean, more of us than there is of them, it says in the Old Testament. So Elijah asked that his servant's eyes would be open to see the warrior angels that were out in the mountains ready to fight. Talk about a faith builder. Wouldn't it be nice if we all could have our eyes open and see all the angels? So humility. Humility is dependence on God. i got to move on here. It is not superficial. It is a purity of heart and a love for God. That's what humility is. That you take no credit. It is not, th- it is not thinking of yourself as better than other people. None of us are better than anyone else. It's true. We need the grace of God. I don't care if you've been saved for 50 years or 100 years. You're not better than anyone else. You just got a lot of years under your belt. So you you should be more humble because you've learned through a lot of years, right? God gives grace to the humble. So I, I named them saving grace, enabling grace, sustaining grace, and humbling grace because we can grow in grace. We grow in grace when we give grace to other people. We grow in grace when we walk by faith in God's grace for our lives. We will grow in grace as we walk with Jesus in our daily lives <clears throat> Excuse me, through his word and prayer. That's why that one hour, I mean, I got it in here. I'm glad Brandy said it, but I have it in my Bible. One hour solitude and silence. If you can't be, just sit still, just think about Jesus then. Don't open your mouth, just think about Jesus. You'll sense his presence. Sometimes I do. Jesus is peace, because he is. Jesus is life, because he is. And let that mutter and think on that to yourself so that you can just be still. Or take a deep breath and let all the toxins of stress out of your body for a minute. And then you can rest and be still and hear the Lord. And we, we will grow in grace when we humble ourselves and under God's mighty hand. Not to just have for ourselves, but to give grace to our brothers and sisters. Grace for grace. Through our words. We give grace through our words. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. So when a brother or sister's down, you don't want to beat them up with words. You want to produce life. By being words of life. Not beating them over the head with a Bible verse, but speaking life. Let me pray with you. Let me sit with you. 
I know God's going to take care of you. And maybe they don't believe that. That's okay. You believe on your own for them. That's giving grace. Extending a hand to someone who's hurting. With your words. Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Let the Holy Spirit season you with salt. Let his flavor come through you. Let the divine influence upon your heart be reflected in your words. Words have life and death. Speak life over yourself. I like this one, Proverbs twenty-two, eleven. He who loves purity of heart and has grace in his lips, the king will be his friend. Purity of heart and grace in, on his lips. So our words have a, are a way we give it. We give grace. Words have power, like I said. To be gracious means courteous, kind, and pleasant. Showing, I thought this was interesting. Showing divine grace, merciful, forgiving, and compassion. Compassion is so necessary in the body of Christ. That's how we, how we love one another is through compassion. Compassion can see and feel the need of somebody else. So if you see your sister or brother and they're hurting, you don't beat them up with your words. Well, I, I, well, I won't say that. Um, I've heard someone say once, well, because they did this, they, they deserved it. No, they didn't. That's not God. Don't, don't shame people. God don't shame you. He brings conviction to deliver you, not to shame you and keep you beat up. God don't, God don't sit up there like this. Ooh, I'm going to wait to get him. No, he's like, I can't bend because of, you know, the knee, but he's like this. Come, come to me, come to me. Stooping down, extending his arm to you. Run to the Father. Amen? That's grace. And we can give grace through our actions. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10 says, And above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable, there's that word again, to one another without grumbling. Anybody here know how to grumble? <laughs> right. <laughs> Man, if I had help doing these dishes. Now, I don't, my husband does the dishes. I'm not talking about my husband. Since he's been retired, it's wonderful. He, he loads the dishwasher, he does the dishes, and he unloads the dishwasher, sometimes before I'm even awake. But, because he, you know, he was an iron worker for 40 years, so he gets up really early. But I've been getting up early for the prayer call, praise the Lord, by grace. Because I'm not a morning person. I don't have these words in the morning. I'm like this. I'm praying like this in the morning. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Praise the Lord. So be hospitable. Oh, I was talking about grumbling. As each one has received a gift, 
minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Minister it to one another. Now he's talking about gifts, you know, within the body, but just being smiling is a gift sometimes. Because somebody who's hurting, when they see someone smile, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to smile, but they can feel your hospitability. That I might have made up a word there. You're, you're being hospitable. You're still smiling. Don't go, oh, just smile. If they're in pain, hello. I can attest. <laughs> when I'm in pain, smiling is not my first thought. My first thought is, oh, Lord, help me walk today. And he does. Jesus said it this way. He said it best. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. That's pretty simple, ain't it? This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and prophets. So, you know, the golden rule, do unto others. The Bible doesn't call it the golden rule. Jesus told them this is the way we should be. Do to somebody else how you would want it done to you. So here's some examples in the Old Testament of grace and action. Boaz gives grace to Ruth. He gives grace and favor to Ruth. He saw and heard how she was giving grace to Naomi. She left, if you're not familiar, Ruth is in the lineage of David and, and Jesus, but she left her country, she was a Moabite, left her country and went with Naomi because their, all their husbands died. And she went with her mother and told her, wherever you go, I'll go. Your God will now be my God. So she left her false gods behind and went with her to, the, to Israel. I don't remember what, I wasn't going to go here, in what, what, what town it was. But... Boaz was a distant relative of Naomi. And he heard he had land, and Ruth was working the land, and he heard about her, how she treated her mother-in-law with such grace and favor and went with her. So he bestows grace and favor on her. That's giving grace and favor. And he told his workers, you know, leave stuff, leave extra for her. Because he... He was helping her. Because as a Moabite, the Israeli ladies weren't going to like her. You know, there was a clash there in culture. But he, she receives grace. That's grace in action. And then the other is Esther. Esther receives grace and favor from the Persian king in Esther 2.17. She has to go before the king because we all know Haman decided to kill all the Jews because he was jealous, I guess. I don't know, but he wanted them all dead. And Esther's cousin, who was like her father because her father died, he took her in and took care of her, told her, don't tell anybody what, what nationality you are. I'm paraphrasing. So she did She listened to him. So she goes with all the other virgins into the house of the king, and then she asks, she finds favor and grace with the Inuk, 
Is that how you say it? You know, the guy who took care of the concubines. It's a little easier. And when it was her turn to go before the king, she goes to him and asks, hey guy, asks him, what do I take with me? None of the other virgins asked. So that's her asking what, for wisdom. So she receives what she should take. She, he tells her. It doesn't say what it was. He just says she went to him. And she had favor and grace and favor, the Bible says, from the king. So God put her in a position. But if she was all feisty and riled up, it wasn't going to work. If she was all, well, I can go before the king. Well, that's what Vashti is her name, I think, the queen. She ends up losing being a queen because she's got a bad attitude. That kind of speaks. We don't want to have a bad attitude. So here, here's the truth. You cannot give what you don't have. But you can go to the king of kings. And we can all go to the king. As we approach the God's throne of grace, isn't it neat that the throne of God is called the throne of grace? So that we can receive mercy and grace. So there's more than just getting mercy at the throne of grace. There's getting mercy and grace. Whatever you need for whatever you're going through. And it's in Hebrews 4. Chapter, chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, because I'm going to wind it up here. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet he was without sin. So let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Bethany, if you want to come up, the truth is, saving grace, I'm going to come straight down to this front part, saving grace is one of the most important graces, because it's why we're here. So if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, I want you guys to bow your heads. If you've never asked him into your heart, today's the day, whether you're watching online or you're in this room, God loves you so much he sent his one and only son to die so that you could have a relationship with him so that you could spend eternity with him it's that simple let the spirit of God if he's tugging on your heart don't fight it it's not worth the fight you just have more miserableness when we fight the the pulling of the Holy Spirit on our hearts. We can't make you saved. Only Jesus makes you saved. Jesus is the one that died for us. He's the one that paid the, the price at Calvary for our sins. And he's the one that's here today moving amongst you. So my prayer is, and this is how simple it is, Lord, forgive me of my sins and come into my life. I want you, Lord, of my life. I believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God. 
and you died for me. It's that simple. Thank you, Lord. So if you have prayed that prayer sincerely and have never prayed it before, or you're renewing your relationship with the Lord, just come on up because we want to pray with you and encourage you in the Lord. And then the other thing is, is if you need some enabling grace and sustaining grace, this, this altar's open. This is what we call an altar. You're just getting out of your seat by faith, coming to the Lord. You're not coming to me or Brandy or anyone else. You're coming to Jesus, not me. So we just open this altar up for anyone who needs prayer for anything, if you need healing, if you need strengthening for the days ahead, I don't know what you're facing, but the Lord knows what you're facing. Thank you, Jesus. So we just give God all the honor and glory. We just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
Father, we just thank you for your word that's gone forth. Lord, we thank you for your grace is sufficient for everything that we go through. And I know, Lord, when we ask, we receive. And when we seek, we find. And when we knock, the door is open, Lord. So we thank you for your grace. And I just bless each person here today. We just give you thanks and praise, Lord. Amen. You all would recite Psalms 19:14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Have a beautiful day.